welcome to Head of the Class, a podcast produced by Our Schools USA. We are Christina Gagne, the former school board member, and Christy Hurst, a former teacher and current public school parent. I never thought that this would be a topic on our podcast, but this podcast centers around adults wanting to take lunch away from kids. Okay, okay, I understand I'm being a little over the top, uh, but today's podcast addresses uh, the fact that Republican members of Congress, uh, members of the House of Representatives, um, have put out budget priorities for the 2024 budget. And one of those priorities is calling for what they are saying are a series of reforms to cut federal funding for school lunches and encourage states to increase their shares of funding for the program. If you have no idea what I just said, they want to cut free lunch for kids. But what is this program? So um, a lot of people are probably familiar with it. Sometimes it's free lunch or reduced lunch and it's income based. So um, it's been around for a really long time. It's a federal program. So the federal government sets the income levels state by state where kids qualify for free lunch or reduced lunch price. Uh, they apply through their school districts, and then the school districts are reimbursed by the federal government. Uh, the National School Lunch Program is administered at the federal level by the USDA's Food and Nutrition Services. At the state level, it's administered through state agencies that operate the program through agreements with school authorities. So schools receive cash reimbursement for each lunch or snack they serve. They also receive uh, USDA commodity food donations for lunch, so it reduces the cost of the food also. Um, this program has been beneficial for a lot of reasons. Obviously, kids can't learn if they're hungry. Um, also, there are nutrition requirements for this program. So they're required to provide one-third of the daily calorie, protein, calcium, iron, vitamin A, and vitamin E needs to kids through foods provided at lunch. And there's actually a study in 2012 that um, rated the foods provided through this program at 77.2 on the Healthy Eating Index, which is significantly higher than um, the 55 score that the average American child's diet receives. So this program operates in both public and private schools, and it provides nutritionally balanced meals each day. So um, these programs really help address child hunger, promote good nutrition, um, it helps schools run more effectively, obviously. With over one in five children in the United States living in a food insecure household, this program really plays a critical role in the healthy development and long-term health and educational outcomes for low-income kids. So this program did have some changes over time, uh, principally during COVID. Uh, in 2020, uh, Congress gave schools waivers to provide free breakfasts and lunches to all students, uh, regardless of income. There was a lot of concern about food insecurity, uh, and because students were not going to schools day to day and met most schools for the duration of the pandemic war and remote learning, they just wanted to make sure that those students were getting fed. And so you and your community may have received a notice from your school that you can yes. come by and drive by and pick up, you know, both breakfast and lunch. Um, and maybe you've never received those notices before. That's why Congress decided that it should be a priority um, to tackle food insecurity during the pandemic. And particularly with so many students, you know, enrolled in the free lunch or reduced lunch programs. 
but that actually expired at the start of September uh, 2022. And so those students who, you know, were getting those free, you know, breakfasts and lunches, that might have stopped. And some states decided to step in and make sure that kids, that all kids continued to get, you know, free breakfast and lunch. Other states, you know, have, have not gotten there yet. Um, but students and families could then still apply for free meals if they meet income threshold, which is what the program has been the entire time. But why are Republicans trying to cut it? Uh, this is an excellent question. So the Republican Study Committee, um, you know, which is this group of members of the House of Representatives who are Republicans, um, as I, you know, stated earlier, um, you know, they are putting out a series of reforms. And the reason they want reforms of the school lunch program is that they're arguing that they want state legislators to take more of an active role and restrict the number of students who are receiving school lunch to truly needy households. And you can't see my air quotes, but I'm doing <laughs> air quotes around truly needy uh, households. Um, and they want to streamline funding by basically giving a single block grant to each state. So instead of the way the program is currently set up, um, which has you know certain requirements of how the program be administered, they just want to cut a check and send it to the states on a yearly basis, and the state would figure out how to administer uh, a program, they would have flexibility in their minds. Um, what they're not being as transparent about is that every year that block grant would have to be approved by Congress. And if you follow anything about Congress and setting a budget and passing a budget, mm -hmm. um, you would know that is no easy feat, and there's always drama, and it always takes longer than it's supposed to. So what that would mean is those appropriations would not be coming as fluidly as they do now, which means that states would have to probably make up that gap um, in between when the budget gets passed. So it's very important that you realize with appropriations and how programs get administered that the way they are administered is actually critical to their success. And they want to change the way it's administered because they want to you know, tap down on fraud. And the fraud that they are trying <laughs> to control with their reforms is families across America, kids taking free breakfast and lunch, uh, and they might not meet the income requirements. So, you know, if you, you know, that's not the hill I would want to die on um, as a part of, you know, my Republican budget priorities for 2024, but they have decided that trying to basically undermine and undercut free and reduce lunch is one of their budget priorities. And I think it's important to note that these block grants, how can they take into account different districts and different states that have um, a higher need for the free and reduced lunch program? So I, I think it would almost be even more detrimental to some of those states. And the state would be left to, you know, make up the windfall. And some states aren't going to do that. I mean, it's it's I, I can't imagine who thinks this is a good policy to get behind not feeding kids. Well, I think that, you know, it's easy to get caught up in dollars um, and, and not talk about, you know, what the benefits of the program also are, because with a lot of appropriations, with programs across the country, there are many programs that benefit the public that are very costly. But the, the benefit of the programs is so high that the cost makes sense. And so that investment makes sense in terms of that federal or state program. And, and, you know, in, in my mind, this is one of those programs. Exactly. You know, there's been a ton of research um, of, you know, free and reduced lunch in public schools um, over the last couple of years in particular. And, you know, many researchers actually looked at food insecurity and how that changed during before COVID, during COVID and, and after the, the COVID pandemic. Um, but schools that have universal meals tend to have higher test scores. We can all agree that's good. 
fewer disciplinary problems, also good. Also good. Less bullying, and we are having a bullying epidemic right now. And there's less stigma around students, you know, basically having to go and get free and reduced lunch while other students don't. And so you don't have to have that that stigma for a kid who maybe they're embarrassed to go exactly. get breakfast and lunch. That's totally erased. And so I think it's important that we look at this as an investment in kids. It's an investment in reducing food insecurity. Um, it makes campuses and the learning experience much better. Um, it's also researchers have found it helps with learning delays. Uh, you know, it helps, you know, reduce depression in adolescence. Um, and it also actually helps to reduce suicide rates because households that have food insecurity, you know, oftentimes there are other issues manifesting in those households. And so the benefits of this program, you know, are are high. Um, the investment in our kids um, compared to other federal programs is actually relatively low. Um, and so, you know, Christy, what's what's going to happen next? So uh, I think a lot of states are stepping back and looking at this program as a whole. And there are some states like stepping in at this point and making that free lunch universal now. So in a way, because they're seeing the benefits of these programs, um, like there's data showing um, in 2021, food insecurity for households with children fell to an all time low since we've been measuring it. And the Urban Institute conducted a new survey earlier this summer and found households with children that have food insecurity rates are creeping back towards what they were at the beginning of the pandemic. And so that's why you're seeing some of these states decide, you know, we want this universal free lunch program for everybody to be enacted now. So at least five states so far have put these policies into place. California, Maine, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Nevada. And I saw an article today that Michigan also passed this program. Um, they've changed their policies and they pick up the tab of the gap between what the federal government funds and what it would cost to give everybody on their campuses free lunch. Um, it's been interesting to see that there's actually a reduction in costs associated with the paperwork side of this too. So it might not be as much more to give universal free lunch to everyone because now there's not that tracking of who owes money happening anymore. That is eliminated with these programs as well. Um, other states, uh, are looking at similar programs also. Minnesota, New Mexico, um, they're looking to expand this. However, there are states um, that are not making up the shortfall. Alabama, Oklahoma, Montana, Kentucky, they're leaving their legislatures to find up their own way to make up the shortfall of the funding that they're not getting enough to feed everybody. Yeah, and I want to just make a, a point on this. Um, so, you know, if there is a shortfall, some states have decided that, you know what, we're just going to provide our own program. And so that's not going to be an issue. So if you are a family um, that relies on, you know, the free breakfast and lunch programs, um, or maybe you've just become accustomed to that just being easier for your family, um, you know, post-pandemic and during the pandemic, um, regardless of your situation as a family, what that practically will mean is that if that state, if your state does not address the budget shortfall for the program, that means less kids are getting free breakfast and lunch. And so you should pay attention at the state legislative level of what your state is doing. And so as you're tracking this issue, see what Congress does, see as this budget priorities pushed out, what actually happens to the program at the national level, but then see what your state is going to do to address it. And some states are being very proactive. They are passing their own programs. 
other states, you're then relying on your legislature to say, is this a priority? And even if it is something that they would like to make a priority, your state might not be in a position from a budgetary perspective to make up that shortfall. So, you know, this actually, these changes to these programs are a lot more involved that can have, you know, bigger consequences that one might even imagine um, first looking at them. Yeah. So moving forward, let's talk about some things that you can do in your community. First, I would say share about what's happening. So becoming informed, like listening to this podcast, talk to your family, your friends, your neighbors, talk about why these school lunch program is so beneficial to the schools and the community overall. Um, We encourage you to think about how this program really benefits families. Uh, Kids can't learn if they're hungry. So behavior issues increase when kids are hungry. That impacts all kids, not just the kids that need the free and reduced lunch. Every kid in school is impacted by that. So also try to start reframing this idea. This is an investment in kids and the future of our country. So this podcast, we decided to title it, No Such Thing as a Free Lunch. Um, But in our opinion, in this situation, there definitely should be free lunch. This has been Head of the Class, a podcast produced by Our Schools USA. Once again, we are Christina Gagne, the former school board member. And Christy Hurst, a former teacher and current public school parent. And always remember, don't get mad. Get organized.